On this week's show, we're going to kick off our new summer series. We've been talking about the sales process, the summer sales series. Now the rest of summer, we're going to be talking about the single most important thing in your business, and that is a five-letter word, profit. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Welcome to the audio version of Cracking the Code. Now, this was originally a video show, so if you hear us talking about something related to an image or any other visual element, you can see what we're talking about by going over to egia.org show and see what we're doing there in Cracking the Code. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. Now, here's the reality, folks. We all know that we're going to do a disproportionate amount of our annual revenue in the summertime, right? Some companies, as much as 60 or 70% of their revenue comes in the summertime. So what happens a lot of times, we get that busy, is one of the things that suffers is training, right? We get so busy, we don't have time to train. Well, here's the deal. Training is what helps us prevent the fires and the crises that can happen sometimes, right, in the sales process. So when you say you're too busy to train, that's like saying you're too busy to learn how to fight fires because you're always fighting fires, right? You gotta take a break from fighting fires and learn how to do fire prevention. So what I wanna do is to make sure you understand the importance of continuing to train throughout the summer. However, here at EGIA Contract University, we understand that's difficult. So what we're gonna do for you is do a series of trainings for your CSRs, for your technicians, for your sales team. We're gonna do a series of short trainings over the course of the next few weeks and we want you to share this with your people in small increments because we know you have a few minutes, right? If you just have five or 10 minutes to get together with your team, show them these specific videos, these specific trainings designed for them, whether CSR, service tech, or whatever. So uh, be on board. We're gonna have a great summer series. These are specifically designed to be short little bite-sized segments that you can use to continue to train your people in the summer season. And now here's a little something extra we're gonna do for EGI members. We're going to take these training videos and we're going to put them on audio only, kind of like mini podcasts, right? So you can give them to the particular people in your company that need to hear them and they can listen to them as they're driving around town on sales calls or service calls or in the office of a lunch with your CSRs. So we're going to put these on audio only, little mini podcasts, so you can have them for your very specific training needs. Now, folks, if you know me, you know that one of the most important things, as far as I'm concerned, with respect to your sales success or service success or CSR success is the prosperity mindset, a mindset that is geared and programmed to thrive in the face of adversity, to prosper in the face of challenges. Listen, when you're busy in the summertime, you're going to have challenges. You have very demanding customers. You have your service technicians, your installers, and your salespeople. Everybody's taxed out because everyone's working crazy hours. You've got to have the right mindset to keep things in perspective. So what I want to do is to share a little video I produced on the importance of the prosperity mindset and really what it is. What is the prosperity mindset and why is it important? What I can tell you is this. To me, it's the single most important component to overall success in your job, in your career, and in your company. You know, when you think about success in life and in business, it really is about the mindset. Having the prosperity mindset. When I talk about a prosperity mindset, I'm talking about the mindset that is geared and programmed and designed to thrive in the face of adversity. I mean, let's face it, we're all going to have challenges throughout the course of our life. And really there's three different kinds of problems that we all face. Money problems, relationship problems, and health problems. Just think about it for a moment. At some point in your life, you're gonna face one or all three of those problems. Nobody gets out alive. Nobody gets through life on this planet without getting their teeth kicked in from time to time. 
At some point in your life, you're going to face a money problem. Maybe you lose a job or maybe your home goes into foreclosure or you lose a business. At some point in time, we're all going to have relationship problems. Perhaps, you know, an argument with a spouse or a child or a friend. Some type of relationship issue. And of course, at some point, we're all going to face health problems. You know, whether it be mental, spiritual, or physical health problems. I mean, let's face it, at some point, we're all going to face the ultimate health problem when we leave this planet. So at the end of the day, success in life and business, creating the life of your dreams, it's not about avoiding those, uh, those problems. Successful people are not successful because they avoided money problems or health problems or relationship problems. No, successful people are successful because they have learned how to thrive in the face of those challenges. Not just get by, not just exist, but to actually thrive and to prosper in the face of adversity. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. When you have the mindset, the mindset that is geared and programmed to thrive in the face of challenges, to prosper in the face of adversity, well, you've got the keys to the kingdom. Because when you have that, no one can hold you down. No one can hold you back. You know, your life will truly be uh, a reflection of of the potential inside of you to create wealth and success and prosperity. You know, success principles are universal principles. That means they've been around for a long time and they always work. When you think about it, success principles are like gravity. Think about that. You know, do you have to like gravity for it to work? Do you have to understand gravity? Do you have to, like, support gravity for it to work or understand it? Of course not. Gravity is at work in your life 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whether or not you like it or understand it or agree with it. Well, in many cases, in most cases, the success principles are the same way. They're already at work in your life. The success principles, the principles that are the underpinnings of wealth and success and prosperity, they are already at work in your life. The only question is, are you working consistently with those principles or are you somehow fighting those principles without even realizing it? The truth of the matter is that the success principles have always been there. It is our job to become congruent, to get in line with those success principles. And when that happens, amazing things are possible. You know, I like to ask very simple questions. I like to keep things very basic. Maybe it's because I'm a simple person from, you know, a simple background. But at the end of the day, I like to keep things really, really simple. Questions like this. What does it take to create wealth, success, and prosperity in your life? What does it really take? Well, the reality is it just takes a couple of things. It takes focus and it takes simplicity. You know, in my book, The Power of Consistency, I remember I was doing research when I was writing that book, and I came across a quote from Stephen Jobs, the founder of Apple uh, Computers. And a couple of years before he passed away, Mr. Jobs was asked a simple question. That question was this, Mr. Jobs, to what do you attribute all of your success? I mean, when you look at Apple Computers, uh, by any measure, one of the most successful companies in the world. When you look at Stephen Jobs personally, obviously a great deal of success. And so, you know, who wouldn't want to know why he was so successful, why the company was so successful? Well, when he was asked this question, his response was very straightforward. What he said is that his mantra in life had always been focus and simplicity. Well, that may sound, you know, kind of easy, right? Focus and simplicity. But what Stephen Jobs said next was really surprising. He said, actually, you know, it's hard to get your thinking clean and make it simple. It takes work. Because there's so many distractions. There's so many things going on around us. You have to get your thinking clean and make it simple. But he went on to say that it's worth it in the end because once you do that, you can literally move mountains. So success is about focus and simplicity. Now that sounds good on one hand because, hey, you know, it's simple, right? It's easy. 
But the reality is when you uh, kind of think about that in the context of how busy and overwhelming life can be, I mean, with traffic and bills and kids and school and work and this and that and the other thing, sometimes life can be very complicated, very overwhelming. And yet you have one of the most successful people in the world saying, keep it simple, keep it focused. So how do you do that? Well, that's what you're going to learn in the power of consistency. In this prosperity mindset training, we're going to go through the elements of your life, your personal life, your work life, your money, your health and fitness, and we're going to examine how do we get things simple? How do we get things focused? And then, of course, we're going to learn to execute on those simple ideas. The combination of focus and simplicity with consistent implementation, uh, can, as Stephen Jobs said, can move mountains but it can also be very, very instrumental in helping you create a life of wealth and success and prosperity. So as we begin this discussion, as we begin this program, The Power of Consistency, I encourage you to dream big. Uh, dream as big as you wanna be. Dream as big as you wanna go. And when you get finished going big, go bigger if you like. There doesn't have to be any limitations. You get to create the life that you want. All it takes is some focus and simplicity and some consistent implementation. So get ready to enjoy the ride. This is a powerful program, and I'm very excited that you decided to, to take the time to participate in this program and to take those first steps of building the life of your dreams. Now, as important as the prosperity mindset is, it's not the only thing we have to consider. We gotta stop and take a look at what is our brand promise? What is our customer service all about? At the end of the day, people are looking for great service. They expect great service. And by the way, if you don't give them great service, you're going to hear about it on Yelp or some other Google review, right? So we have to be really focused on delivering customer service. But that is a, a reflection of the overall brand promise. What is the brand promise? What is the promise you're making to your customers? In your marketing, in your advertising, everything you say and do and communicate, what is the brand promise you are making? Well, I want to share with you some content from the master, our very own master, Mr. Gary Alex on the importance of a brand promise. What is it? Why does it matter? What does it mean to you? Let's take a quick look with Gary Ellix. First off, the company needs a brand promise. You have to have the brand promise out front and center. Now, each company has its own unique brand promise, and that's fine. Uh, so the next question becomes, you know, how do I define what is a brand promise? What is that? So we used to talk about the unique selling proposition, or what people will call USP. That is what makes you unique in the marketplace compared to all other choices in the market. So that is up to you to decide what that is. It's part art, part science. Uh, you'd like to make sure your brand promise is something that a customer would need and like, but at the end of the day, uh, it's also something that needs to be unique to you. Uh, you don't want to be a me too company. So the next discussion is we want to be credible and we want to be compelling. And the most important part of that discussion is while we want to be credible and compelling, we need the promise to be kept, and we need it to be kept every single time. So the idea that employee training, the ability to create execution, uh, whatever you decide you promise, you need to be able to deliver on that execution, or you will find that customers will not be happy with you. And because of that, you're going to lose traction around your brand. Uh, that's probably going to affect your long-term value and wealth of the company, but it's also going to affect the customer referral process. Lastly, um, you really want to have that ideally be measurable. And when I say measurable, um, a good example of a brand promise is in one of the businesses that uh, I own and, and work with. Um, we have a brand promise to deliver the lowest cost per lead in the industry. So that is a measurable item. We can measure our cost per lead for our client. We can measure the cost per lead 
uh, individually against a group of clients. We can measure that against competition. So either we have the ability to deliver the lowest cost per lead or we do not. So it becomes a brand promise. Hey, we're going to give you the lowest cost per lead of any business in this space or vertical. And so the question becomes, now how do we measure that? Well, we use dashboard metrics, call tracking, and we manage that process as detailed as we can. So the purpose of the measurability is to say, yeah, we have kept our promise. So we're setting an expectation for a client, and the deliverable has to be that each and every time we're working to deliver on that brand promise. So let's go to the next slide. And I'm going to give you some examples of some brand promises that are in the industry and a couple that are not in the industry. The first one is on-time service or it's free. So the brand promise there is I'm going to tell you a specific time or a time frame that I'm going to be there. And if I'm not on time, it's free. The second one there is uh, one we've seen in the industry for many years. Two years, money back, uh, no questions asked, guarantee. Uh, so the idea would be take it for a test drive. Uh, whatever happens in the next two years, if you're not satisfied, if we can't completely fix it to your satisfaction, uh, we'll give you your money back. That's a brand promise. And certainly, if you make that brand promise, you're going to want to make sure that you can deliver on that. So that becomes a costing and a pricing and a reserve issue. But still, it's a compelling brand promise because from an advertising and marketing point of view, you really have something that most people won't step up to the plate to deliver. Uh, another one, which we've seen in the industry for quite some time, lifetime guarantee on service repairs. Um, I do that. Some of my friends that we've had relationships with in the consulting practice, uh, we've convinced to do that. Um, none of us have gone out of business. And the reason is, is that you have to stay in the club. You notice that there's a parenthesis there and it says lifetime guarantee on service repairs you know, if you're in the club. So that means you have to maintain a service agreement to be a part of that guarantee. So it's not on a service repair that is a non-club member because there was no way that we could guarantee that if we weren't doing regularly scheduled maintenance. And we didn't have the opportunity to identify problems with contactors, capacitors, fan motors that we would change ahead of the failure at no charge to a client in order to avoid a crisis failure later down the road. Much less expensive to do that. Now, when you think about your customer service and your brand promise, it's not just for the sake of having customer service and a brand promise. The bottom line is it goes straight to the profitability of the company. Join me again as we listen in on Mr. Gary Ellix and understand why is service so related to profitability. If you take a look at this slide, uh, this is just general research that's out there as to why you should turn your customer service and brand experience goggles on full power and just start staring at what you're doing and what your customers are saying you're doing and benchmarking that with what you think you're doing, uh, which sometimes are not the same thing. So the first issue is pretty much, you know, I hear this all the time when I do the pricing classes. You know, I got one truck Harry out there and he's just out there at $2,500 and, you know, I'm at $7,000 and the customer just doesn't understand the difference. Well, that's a problem for sure. But it's not the exact problem that's being defined by that argument, meaning that the, if the guy doesn't know what he's doing and he's pricing it under cost, there's not a heck of a lot you can do anyway. You have to price for your own value proposition. But the second part of that equation goes like this. People are going to spend more money if they actually believe they're going to get better customer service. You would not have BMW. You would not have Lexus. You would not have Ferrari. You would not have Jaguar. You would not have Maserati. You would not have McLaren. You would not have Bugatti. You wouldn't have any of those things. You wouldn't have expensive houses. You would have nothing that was anything other than a granite structure 
or a concrete structure that you know you just lived in and everybody lived in the same place. We're a capitalist business planet here in the United States. I mean, that's what we do. What that means is there's competition, okay? So competition creates differences in value, meaning that, hey, I can sell a Ferrari for X amount of dollars because it has things on it and does things that these other vehicles don't. Somebody thought about that idea, they created that idea, they executed that idea. So 10% more doesn't seem like a lot, but you're not competing against that guy who is essentially you know, working out of his house who doesn't understand how to price. Nothing wrong with that guy. I like that guy. I hope he joins EGIA and figures out how to actually price. You should get him to join EGIA. The flip side of that is, is that there's a whole lot of companies out there that are not exceptional at their customer experience. And so if we can't translate that to the client, then the client doesn't really have any way to mechanize the 10%. Uh, they can't, what we call, monetize it. So the second area there then is when a customer actually really receives good experience, like it really happens well, they're going to talk to people. And they're going to go on social media. And so they're going to be between 10 and 12 people out there that are going to essentially get a positive vibe, a positive message. The second part of that, though, unfortunately, is when somebody has a poor experience, when the deliverable doesn't match. I got vanilla instead of chocolate. And they didn't correct the problem. Well, when that happens, we're going to tell 20 people. So I got a story. We all have a story. Everybody has a story. So I have this, um, this garage works character you know, who gives me a written estimate and uh, actually gave my wife the written estimate. And so we went forward with that and said, do the work. And uh, so it was a, a damaged spring in one of the garage doors on the house that we had. And so it was no big deal. I mean, it was, let's fix the spring and let's go. So the guy came out, he looked at it, took pictures, and he gave us the written estimate. So he goes back, I'm out on the road, I'm expecting the work to get done, it's a spring replacement, no big deal. Well, I get the call from the wife and she's saying, well, they, uh, they want more money. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They want more money. That doesn't make any sense to me. We have a written estimate, the guy came out, he took pictures of it, he looked at it, he said, well, yeah, here you, you know, this, here, you talk to him. So, you know, I'm, I'm not in a good frame of mind right now. So, their operational processes right now are absolutely imploding in my mind. Like, as a customer, like, I'm welling up with venom right now. So, I'm like, being patient, trying to be under control. What's the story? He's like, well, um, we got the wrong spring, it, uh, you know, we made an error, and so uh, we're going to have to get uh, the other spring, and the other spring is uh, $1,150 instead of like, I don't know, $650 was the original quote, whatever it was, including the fix. And I said, um, no, that's unacceptable. I go, I understand that you might have made an error. That's not my problem. You came out, you gave me a written estimate, you took pictures, for God's sake, and you sent them back and you gave me an indication that this is the price. And now you're telling me, and he used the word upcharge. So I'm not happy. I'm like, get the hell out of my house. So they leave. I, I go on Facebook and I start sabotaging. Look at number three, okay? Number three. When the customers receive a poor customer service, they will tell 20 people. I've told thousands of people about this guy. And I went on his Facebook and I posted it. And I posted the quote, 
And I said, this is unacceptable. When I'm in business and I make an error, I own my error in order to satisfy the customer experience and obligation. So anyway, uh, I get the call. I get the call from the owner. And so he starts yelling at me. You got to take this off Facebook. I'm like, um, no, actually, I don't. And you know, he's like, well, I'll split it with you. And I go, I don't want to split it with you. I'm going to call a different company. You're not trustworthy. He says, you're questioning my integrity. I go, yeah, I am. Click. He hangs up on me. Now, this is not how you handle your customer relationships, OK? There were an opportunities galore for this individual to have solved this problem and gained me as a customer. Now, when we talk about the prosperity mindset, as I did earlier, uh, I want to talk about it for a moment, specifically how it affects our role as a service technician. The reality is our mindset, which is our expectations, pretty much dictates everything that's going to happen in the house with respect to our ability to sell, influence, communicate, whatever. Listen, here's the reality. 10 or 15 years ago, in this business, if you were a great technician, that's all you needed to be to make a great living. Well, the reality is the most progressive companies, they expect you to be a great technician and also a great communicator. But if you're going to be a great communicator, of course, you have to get the training, which you can get here at Contract University, you know, in terms of how to communicate. But you also have the mindset and the willingness to communicate. So I want you to take a quick look at this video that talks about the importance of having the right mindset so you can make sure that you're communicating in a very effective way and that you understand the words you say matter. You can influence people's decisions. You know, when you think about running a service call, there's a lot of responsibilities you face as a service technician. Back in the day, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, it was pretty much enough to be a, you know, awesome service technician. As long as you were good at diagnosing problems and fixing those problems, you could do very well as a service technician. Well, the times have changed, haven't they? Because now your company has another expectation on you. Not only do you have to be really good at being a service technician, but now you have to be really good at communications and sales. You have to be if you want to compete. So this program is about teaching you how to deliver a more comprehensive service to your customers. It's not about arbitrarily raising your prices or arbitrarily raising your average ticket. It's about providing better service to your homeowners. This program is about high service, not about high pressure. Now, the good news is your boss is going to love the fact that you're using this process because in the process of delivering a higher level of a service call, naturally, the ticket, the average ticket, the amount of the ticket is going to grow because a more comprehensive service means that you are offering more comprehensive solutions. And the more comprehensive your solutions, obviously, the more they're going to cost in terms of the homeowner's investment. If you're fixing one thing on an air conditioning system, it's going to cost, you know, X amount of dollars. But if you're fixing two or three things and maybe offering an accessory in addition to those repairs, obviously the average ticket is going to be higher. But how you get to offering those additional accessories and how you get to offering those additional repairs, again, comes back to the level of service that you're providing. It's not about offering things to arbitrarily raise your average ticket. So this program is all about delivering a higher level of service and there are certain benefits that are going to come from that. Now, as you embark on this program, it's really important that uh, you've already studied the prosperity mindset training. As part of the EGIA contract university, I've developed an, a process to create what I call the prosperity mindset. It's based on my book, The Power of Consistency. The prosperity mindset is an integral part of running a proper service call. So in this training, I'm going to teach you the five-step process to run a very you know, comprehensive, high-impact service call. But it's important you combine that with the prosperity mindset. The mindset is so important to the overall professionalism of your job. After all, what we know through the mindset training is that our results in life are pretty much a reflection of our expectations. If we expect to do well, we tend to do well. 
If we expect to do poorly, we tend to do poorly. This is so important in your job as a professional service technician because the results of a service call are going to be pretty much the you know, reflection of your expectations. If you expect your homeowner to not be interested in additional accessories, if you expect your homeowner to be you know, overly concerned about the price, then that's what's going to happen. That's what you're going to manifest. On the other hand, if you have the expectation that your homeowner wants to know about additional accessories, things that will improve the quality of airflow or the quality of life in their home, and you believe they're not overly concerned about price, well, guess what? That's what you're going to manifest in your life also. That's why the mindset part of this training is so important. So if you haven't been through the Prosperity Mindset training, I encourage you to go back and to go through that training before you embark on this training. When I talk about the mindset, I'm talking about your thoughts. Your thoughts naturally in your brain, when you have a thought, it triggers a chemical reaction. It's a part of your brain called the hypothalamus. When you have a thought, your hypothalamus creates chemicals that trigger an emotion. And your emotions are always a reflection of your thoughts. So if you have a very happy and warm and loving thought, then your brain's going to produce endorphins and dopamine, and you're going to have happy and warm and loving emotions. If you have a very fearful thought, well, then your brain's going to produce epinephrine and adrenaline, and you're going to have a fearful reaction. So your thoughts always trigger your emotions. Once you experience an emotion, then you're going to take some action, right? Just a very natural part of the process. You have a thought, triggers an emotion, the emotion triggers a reaction, and of course the reaction you know, produces the result. The important thing to remember about this whole process is that your thoughts and your emotions are always a reflection of your thoughts, even if your thought is wrong. In other words, you can believe something that's not true, you can believe something that's false, but that false thought can create very real emotions, very real actions, and very real results. I want you to take a quick look at this video that kind of illustrates this process. One of the biggest challenges with contractors is that they don't understand the relationship between the prosperity mindset and their sales results. Here's your basic neurology that explains why your thoughts drive your results. You see, when you have a thought, any thought, it triggers chemicals in your brain that fuel the emotion. Once you have the emotion, you take some action. Your actions, of course, trigger your results. The good news is, is that your emotions and your actions are always a reflection of your thoughts. The bad news is, is that your emotions and your actions are always a reflection of your thoughts, even if the thought is wrong or inaccurate. Imagine this scenario. It's 11 o'clock at night and you're walking out of a theater. You've got your family with you, your spouse and your kids. As you're walking across the parking lot, a guy comes running towards you. He's got a knife in one hand. He's covered in blood and he's coming towards you and your family. Your immediate thought is what? Dangerous situation. I've got to protect my family. So he comes towards you. You hit him in the jaw. You drop him like a sack of potatoes. What's the result? You protect your family. But here's the problem. When the police show up, you realize the guy was no threat to you whatsoever. The knife was fake. The blood was fake. He was a kid going across the parking lot to meet some friends to go to a Halloween party. Here's the bottom line. Even though your thought was wrong, it was inaccurate, it fueled very real emotions, very real actions, and very real results. How does this affect you in your business? Well, imagine this scenario. You've got a service technician or a salesperson, and their basic thought goes something like this. Homeowners don't care about quality. Homeowners don't care about service. They just want a cheap price. When they have that thought, what are the natural emotions they're going to experience when they go on a call? They're going to have the emotion of, here we go again, another cheap homeowner. Then what actions will go from that? Are they going to do a dynamic, value-based sales presentation? Of course not. They're going to drop off a bid for the cheapest system as fast as they can. 
What's the result? Where they're gonna walk out and they're gonna say, I knew it. People just don't care about quality or service. You take another salesperson with positive thoughts. They believe it is about quality, it is about service, and it's their job to make sure they explain to the homeowner why their company is worth a couple of thousand bucks more. Well, what emotions come from that? They're positive, they're confident, right? It's showtime when they go in the house. What are their actions? Well, they go through a dynamic value-based sales process. What's the result? They sell high-end solutions. The funny thing is, when that guy walks out of the house, he says the same thing as the other guy. I knew it. I knew they cared about quality. So I want you to try this. I want you to have posters made. And on those posters, I want you to have things written like this. Our customers care about service. Our customers care about quality. Our customers care about value. And I want you to put those posters all over your office. That will drive new thoughts that will eventually translate into more productive sales results. So you can easily see in this situation how a very false thought and inaccurate thought triggered very real emotions, very real actions, and unfortunately, you know, very real results, very real consequences. It's critically important to understand this because your thoughts are going to drive all those other factors, right? Emotions, actions, and results, even if the thought is wrong or inaccurate. Now in business, as you're going to find out in the next module, this same process can play itself out. In other words, you can have a false thought about price. You can have a false thought about your homeowners and what they might expect in terms of accessories. You can have a very false thought, but you'll produce very real emotions, very real actions, and very real results. Now, as you move through this process of becoming a better communicator uh, and making more money in terms of your sales and your turn, your, you know, turn leads and things to the sales department, the bottom line is what does it really take to be successful? What does it take in addition to the mindset? Well, folks, I'm here to tell you it takes the right attitude. You see, there is a direct proportional relationship between your attitude and your success. I mean, think about it for a second. If you take, you know, service tech A over here and service tech B over here, they have the same leads, the same opportunity, the same weather, the same economy, and yet one outperforms the others. Why is that? It's all about attitude, all about mindset. Take a look at this video that illustrates the importance and the impact of having the right attitude. I like to ask simple questions. Simple questions like this. What does it take to become extraordinary in terms of your career? Again, whether you're a service technician in the HVAC industry or whether you're a comfort consultant slash advisor, whatever your role is, how do you create extraordinary results? What's the difference between the top producers and the bottom producers, the average producers? Well, let's go to the whiteboard and talk about this for just a moment. I'm sure we've all had the experience, and maybe it's someone you know, maybe it's someone in your company that has kind of average performance. So let's talk about average performance for a second. We'll take salesman or service tech A. Salesman or service tech A goes out on 10 sales calls, and on those 10 sales calls, sells half of them, so a 50% conversion rate. Now here's the thing, that's actually pretty good performance, we call this average but the reality is the average service technician, the average sales consultant out there is closing about a third of their business. That's the national average, about 33% conversion. Now, it will come as no surprise to you why that is when you think about it. I mean, ask yourself, how many bids does the average homeowner get? They get three. How many do they choose? They choose one. So basic probability says that if you drop off a bid and you're one of three, you've got a one and three chance of being selected. And that of course assumes that you're not the high guy because the homeowners typically are getting rid of the high price first and focusing on the middle guy and the low guy. 
So the national average, for obvious reasons, basic probability, is about a 33% conversion rate. So we're going to assume that this guy right here is better than average, closing half of his sales opportunities. And on each of those, the average ticket is $5,000. So we've all seen this kind of performance. The guy runs 10 sales calls, sells half of them for $5,000 for total revenue of $25,000. That's actually pretty good performance. As I said, even better than average and uh, probably a, a sales performance that seems very familiar to you because a lot of people, you know, kind of operate at this level. So I think we all would agree that there are people operating at this level out there. Run 10 calls, sell five of them for an average ticket of $5,000. Now keep in mind that average ticket of $5,000, that average is in your basic, you know, small change out systems uh, or change out furnaces with your big, you know, high efficiency systems, but the average around $5,000. Now let's look at sales professional and or service technician B, right? Uh, the service technician over here is an outstanding performer. The sales guy over here is an outstanding performer. In other words, this guy or this gal goes out and runs 10 leads, but on those 10 leads is able to close six of them for a conversion rate of 60%. Now, without even knowing what we're going to talk about in the course of this program, I'm sure many of you would agree, at least I hope you would agree, that there's something that I can show you to help you get just one more out of 10. You see, that's all that we're talking about here. If you're currently closing five out of 10, that means you're losing five out of 10. And out of those five that you're currently losing, I'm gonna show you how to get at least one more. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. So again, without even knowing what we're doing, uh, common sense would tell you there's probably something we could do to increase our conversion by just you know, another deal out of 10. Again, you're not gonna lose the five you're getting now. I'm talking about getting just one more of the five that you're not getting. But instead of getting those at $5,000, a very simple conversation with the homeowner helps us get that average ticket to $8,000. Now, I can tell you right now, before even getting into it, getting your average ticket from $5,000 to $8,000 is really about a 10 to 15-minute conversation with your homeowner. And it's actually all about identifying additional problems that your homeowner has. Because the reality is we can't just arbitrarily go out there and raise our prices, right? Market conditions have a lot to say about that. But with a very simple conversation I'm going to share with you in this training, you will see how to expand the scope of your problems for your homeowner and to solve those problems because that's how you drive average ticket and increase average ticket by identifying additional problems that your homeowner will have in the house. It's up to you to identify them and of course offer solutions. So this uh, sales professional B right here gets six at $8,000 for a total of course of $48,000 in revenue. So simply by doing a few simple things different, we can take our average ticket or our total revenue rather on those 10 sales opportunities and literally double them. Now, the question is, what's the difference between you know, sales professional A and sales professional B or service technician A and service tech B? Well, the reality is a big part of the difference is skill level and attitude right? I mean, stop and just think about the attitude. Stop and think about the attitude, the characteristics that describe salesman A's performance, right? Think about their attitude. Is this guy like super highly driven, uh, awesome communicator, awesome closer? No, probably not so much. The truth is probably average in terms of closing ability, average in terms of attitude and excitement and enthusiasm. On the other hand, take salesman B or service tech B. What is uh, just the results here tell you about his personality? Probably he's more enthusiastic, more focused, and just a better communicator overall. So you can tell a lot about the personality of each professional simply by 
their results. These results tell us everything we need to know about what someone's doing in the house. You know, we can argue and say, well, I'm doing this right and I'm doing that right. The reality is the numbers don't lie. It's like that old saying, the hips don't lie and the numbers don't lie, right? The numbers don't lie. In fact, these numbers really are a report card. You get a report card every week or every two weeks in your job. It's called your paycheck. And if you get that paycheck and you don't like the way it looks, that means you did not get the grade you deserve. On the other hand, if you get that report card, that paycheck, and you're like, this is awesome, I'm going on vacation, then that tells you you got an A+, right? So our report card is going to tell us a lot about our income, and our income is going to tell us a lot about our performance in the house. Because again, the numbers simply don't lie. So what does it take to go from you know, an A-level performance, which is average, to a B-level performance, which is above average? What does it take? Well, as I mentioned, it takes attitude. When it comes to attitude, it's not just about getting paid for what you do, it's understanding that you also get paid for what you know. In other words, the inexperienced, uh, young, uh, you know, you know, green, wet behind the ear technician or, or, or sales professional may go in the house and think they get paid for the actual work they do. Well, of course you get paid for that work, but the experienced professional knows that we also get paid not just for what we do, but all, we get paid for what we know. In other words, the years of experience, the years of training, everything that your you know, years of preparation you've brought to the table when you walk up to the that front door of that house and, and, and knock on the door. So uh, I want you to take a look at this quick video because it really illustrates the point that it's not enough to just get paid for what you do. You have to also get paid for what you know. As professionals, if you want to be seen as a pro, you got to be a pro. And one of the things you got to understand is that you don't get paid for what you do. You get paid for what you know. You know, back in the 1980s in the former Soviet Union, many of you may remember there was a nuclear plant at Chernobyl that melted down. What many of you may not know is that there was a second plant a couple of months later that almost the same thing happened. The plutonium rods began to overheat. But this time, instead of just sitting back to see what happens, they got a German guy that designed and engineered the plant. They got him on the phone and they said, man, you need to get out here and make sure this thing does not melt down. We cannot have another Chernobyl. So the guy gets on the plane, he flies into Moscow, they take him out to the plant. When he gets to the plant, it's total chaos. I mean, alarms are going off, red lights are flashing, they've abandoned the plant, they're evacuating the town. I mean, this is potential total nuclear devastation. But this guy walks in, cool as a cucumber, goes down about six flights of stairs and goes down to the base of the bowels of this nuclear plant. They've got these cooling towers that house the plutonium rods to keep them cool. And he's right there at ground zero. I mean, if this thing overheats, if this thing melts down, he's gonna go in a flash. But he walks right through all this chaos. He walks up to a big wall. There's all these valves and all these gauges. The guy looks at the wall for a second. He looks at one particular gauge, one particular valve. He reaches in and he closes the valve. Instantaneously, the pressures start coming down. The temperatures start coming down. Total nuclear devastation avoided. So the guy goes back to Germany, and about a month later, he sends the bill to the Soviet government. When he sends the invoice, it's a one-line item invoice. It says, averting nuclear disaster, $100,000. So they get the bill, and they say, $100,000? You weren't here but 15 minutes. We want a detailed breakdown of your invoice. So he sends the Soviet government another invoice. This time, there's two line items. The first line said, closing valve and averting nuclear disaster, $1. The second line said, knowing which valve to close, 
$99,999. You don't get paid just for what you do. You get paid for your years of experience. So the next time a homeowner asks you to drop the price, you gotta think like a nuclear service technician. You gotta think like a professional. You gotta remember, you get paid for knowing which valve to close. Folks, that's our show for this week. Listen, profit is a five-letter word, not a four-letter word. And we got to have great service. we got to maintain great sales skills. we got the great attitude, the right mindset. All of these things play together to deliver profits. Profits are a five-letter word, not a four-letter word. Don't be afraid of them. That is our show for this week. We'll see you next week. Until then, bye-bye, everybody.